0: At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Well, tonight I've just had this Word God gave me yesterday. I was out walking on the property here, and as I was praying, God said, I want you to preach this. So, what else is there to preach? (laughs) God said, and we do. And I've had a lot of one-word titles lately, and tonight it's another one-word title, and it's the word humility. <laughs> I read somewhere where um, somebody said uh, a guy said <laughs> he, he wrote a, he wrote a book on some subject. But he knew that wasn't a popular subject, so he gave it a different name, but the content was what he had, what he had wanted to name it, but he couldn't name it because people wouldn't buy it. <clears throat> and I would say that people, for the most part, wouldn't buy, that wouldn't be a, a number one bestseller on humility. And you know why? It should be. But you know why? Because we don't understand humility. And as I was walking yesterday, that's what God said to me. He said, people don't understand humility and we need to understand it. So we're just going to look at some scripture tonight because the Bible's real, real big on humility. Huge on humility. The, the world's definition um, and it's, re, and it's the reason people don't like the Word and they don't like thinking about humility or being humble is because one of the, actually, three different worldly dictionaries has the word humility simply to have a low estimation of yourself. To think very low of yourself. Because the word humble comes from, or in the Greek anyway, it comes from a Greek word, I don't remember exactly it, humulus or something like that, and it means low. And so, people have taken that word and defined it as being like, you know, for you to be humble, you, you have a low estimation of yourself and, and no value or anything that you have as, as, as being of no value, you know. Um. I don't know where I've heard this statement, maybe in a movie or something, but somebody talking about their small little house as their humble abode. Well, what they're saying is, is my house is an insignificant place. And yet that's not the Bible definition of humble or humility. And. I'm, I'm going to define it just for this one message tonight as, and, and then I'm going to back it up in Scripture, but humility is to think more highly of God than you think of yourself. That's humility. And in Romans it says not to think more highly of yourself than you should. And you've got to work that out. You've got to work out what that is and what that means and what that means to you and what it means in God's eyes, in your heart. You need to know what God thinks about you. And um, in Numbers 12 and verse 3, it says this, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And Moses, in his day, And in his time, and you can probably compare Moses to any other time periods on on planet earth, and Moses was the most used man by God on the planet. In that day, in his day, in his time, he did some amazing things. In his 120 years, he did some amazing things. And what it ended up being was, what was worked out in his life, it wasn't until he was 80 years old that he actually fulfilled the purpose and plan he was put on the planet for. Not till he was 80. But for 40 more years of his life from the time he was 80, what he had worked out was humility. Did we read it? The man Moses was very humble, more than anybody else on the planet. And he was used the most mightily on the planet because of his humility. So, man, we' got to understand what humility is. So one of the best places that I've found, and I really like it in the Passion translation, that's where I'm going to read I'm going to read the first seven verses of James chapter four in "The Passion. And so let's just get into it and and look at this a little bit. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Question mark. So he's asked two questions here. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. Now, as I'm reading these these questions in Scripture here, as we're looking at this whole passage, um, it's going to touch your life and my life somewhere. Everybody sitting in here, this is going to touch your life somewhere. Maybe you're not fighting and quarreling with the group of people sitting next to you. You know, the, the, the way the, people, the person sitting next to you is maybe has some quarrels or issues or whatever with somebody next to them or, or in their lives. But everybody's got to take these two questions in in these first couple of verses here in James 4 and allow your heart to consistently and constantly be judged by God. Now, watch what he says. He said, you jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. The scheme, you scheme with envy and harm. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. See, what God's wanting in our lives is for us to come to Him about any and every issue. And the more you come to God and you develop that confidence that God has the answer for every situation, then it shuts down the quarreling and the striving and the, the, you know, battling back and forth with people. I mean, from a national level to a state level, to a city level, to a county level, city level, to a home level, to a church level, to a job, a, a, a place of employment level. I don't care what it is. You have these kind of things happening everywhere, right? And God's wanting you to ask Him about the situation because true humility, true humility in life is you believing that God has the answer instead of you trying to figure it out. That's what humility is. Believing, having more faith that God knows what's going on than you trying to figure it out. And, and this is what he begins to say here. He said, and if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. And if that's going on, you got to change it. There's not a person sitting in here that hasn't, their motive hasn't been selfish in some area of life or another. Not anybody sitting in here, there's not a person sitting in here tonight that is exempt from that because of the world that we live in. And if you're doing that in areas of your life, God wants you to change because, I don't know about you, but I want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Numbers 12, 3 be read about me. Ah, there's Bert Wemberley. <laughs> Most humble man to walk the face of the earth in his day. That's what they said about one man. They said that about Moses, that he was more humble than anybody else, but he was more used than anybody else. Right? so we got to make the adjustments we got to see how really important that humility is you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair an unholy relationship with the world meaning what meaning spiritual adulterers meaning that you're spending more time with the ways of the world and the thinking of the world, then you are the thinking of God. Where where do you get information about how God thinks? Right here. Right? The teaching and the ministry of the Word, the preaching of the Word, so that you hear the Word, and then you're able to do something with the Word. Because the Word will make the changes that you need in your life. There's not a person in here, by the time I get through with this message, If if God is on the inside of you, that will not be challenged to live a life of humility versus selfishness. That's what the Word does. It challenges you. That's why when I was walking yesterday, I had something else I was going to preach, and God said, I want you to preach this. It's a big message. More important than most people think because... Most people, like I said, will reject messages like this. Why? Because they don't understand humility. They don't understand what it really is. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy you make yourself the enemy of God. In other words, in other words, God so wants to fight for you and his word to work for you, but when we don't humble ourselves and we don't come to the place where we acknowledge he's he he knows better than we know in every situation in life, we don't do that and then we make ourselves we make ourselves an enemy we're, we're not we're not An enemy to God from God's perspective. We've made ourselves an enemy because of the rejection of His way of thinking and doing. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover? The spirit of God is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. Wow. He wants more and more of me. But one of the keys that unlock that door of more and more is me choosing to humble myself, bring myself low, bring myself out of myself and into Him. That's the key. That is the key. i read that again. Does the Scripture mean nothing to you that says the Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? You know what I say? I say that scripture means more and more to me than it ever has. How about you? I want more and more of that <laughs> than I've ever wanted in my life. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us for it says, God resists you when you are proud. He resists you when you are proud but continually Pours out grace when you're humble. He's continuing to pour out his grace. And, and, and listen, grace is a word that is unlimited. You can think you've defined grace and you hadn't even started. One basic foundational definition of grace is his unmerited favor. But when you get to thinking of the grace of God being the favor of God working on your behalf, grace is so active, and He is pouring more and more and more into people that choose to do it His way instead of their way. But you've got to come low. You've got to come underneath Him so that then He can exalt you when you're ready to be exalted self-exaltation man the Proverbs talks about it through and through it brings probably the the simplest word is it brings a lot of destruction a lot of destruction God resists you when you're proud but continually pours out out grace when you're humble so then surrender to God Stand up to the devil and resist him and he will flee in agony. We've always talked about verse 7. Everybody jumps to verse 7, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Not in pride. Not in pride. Not in pride. Because when you're in pride... When you're in pride, if you're trying to resist the devil and God is resisting you, there's no power. And you know what? In that passage right there, not one time did it say God didn't love you. Not one time. Did it say God didn't love you? God didn't care about you? That all of His promises... Nowhere in there did it say His promises won't work for you, but it says that He will resist what you try to do until you come low. And you got to learn what that means. And and to this point, tonight, I've defined it as you choosing to do it His way versus your way. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself... Under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. True humility from the verses of Scripture that I've looked at tonight, true humility is casting all your care. Let's read that again. He said, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. How? Casting all of your care upon Him. One translation says, He cares for you in a watchful way, and He cares about you in in a way to make sure that all your needs are met. So in other words, God can care for you better than you can, but if you take the cares of everything around you and you're not casting those cares on a daily basis, the Bible says cast every care, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You're not doing that actively on a day-to-day basis, then in essence, you're in pride, thinking you can do a better job of caring for you than he can. So many people that I know that are afraid of Christianity because of this right here. Man, I got a brain. I can think for myself. I can do for myself. I can take care of myself. Why do I need a God? I had a friend years ago that was the... Um, The, the new car man, uh, he was, what was he? Anyway, he was at a dealership, and he was one of the top guys, not the owner, but underneath the owner. And uh, and I used, to, I used to work at that dealership, and I would go and see him, and, and I, I would stripe cars at, at his dealership, and I would, I would go in there and sit and have coffee with him. He'd always want to know about the things of God. He always wanted me to talk to him about God. And... Um, Invited him to a, to a concert one time. Remember that? Leon Patilla. Anybody ever remember Leon Petilla? Yeah, yeah? one guy anyway. <clears throat> Leon played. He was keyboard player for Black Sabbath back in the day. Got born again. Got out and had his own band and everything. He was real popular in the day. This was in the... 80s and uh, so i invited this guy to go to a leon patilla concert and and one of the, and, one, and i found this out later but what this guy was afraid of was he didn't want to get born again because he was afraid of the fact that god might send him to china and he didn't want to go to china and he was afraid literally he was he was literally afraid that god would tell him he had to go to china so he didn't want to get saved and that night in that leon patilla concert leon patilla he he didn't just do a concert but he ministered and he gave an opportunity for people to get born again and that night leon patilla made the comment in that concert that you never know god may send you to china freaked this guy out (laughs) in a huge way. And the rest of the time that I was around him before we moved up here, the rest of the time that I was around him, that's what I was helping him to understand. That when you humble yourself and you say, you know, whatever God's will is for my life, that's what I want. And by the time I left there, he got born again. But he he was so afraid that humbling himself under the mighty hand of God was going to ruin his whole plan for life. And that's what you have to get rid of. And that's what submitting to his ways will do. It'll deliver you. You don't have to be afraid that God's going to do something. You know why? Because God said he would give you the desires of your heart. And what people don't realize, you can have desires to do something and be something and do all this kind of stuff. And, you know, God's never going to talk me out of that. But if you allow the Word of God to get sown in your heart, it will change your desire. And your desire will be His desire for you. And He'll bring that to pass. He's not going to bring your desire that you're working at really hard and not humbling yourself under His mighty hand. Just don't work that way. He said, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How? By casting all of your care. So true humility is casting your care and bowing your knee to God's way of thinking, delivering you of your way of thinking. So my way of thinking has to turn into God's way of thinking So I think like God, and I get all the results God says I get get from His Word. Then notice what He says. You cast your care on Him. You let Him care for your care, and you not try to take all the care and you thinking you can figure it all out. You cast all that care and leave it with Him. See? Then He says, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking... Somebody in pride to devour. Doesn't say that in the scripture, but that's what he's talking about. That's the context of the passage here. Looking for somebody that is afraid to humble themselves. They're afraid. Resist him. We saw that in James 4 to resist the devil and he'll flee. When? When we choose humility. We come low. He said, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings experienced by your brotherhood in the world that that are there, the the same things, everybody else goes, everybody goes through the same stuff. And if you know that and you're aware of that, then God just wants you to get better at overcoming anything you face in His strength and in His ability. So, casting your care, bowing your knee, coming low to God under God's way of thinking and doing empowers you to resist the devil, and the devil flees. Pretty simple. But it's a lot of work because of the deep-seated pride that is in every person in different ways. Pride to one person looks one way or is one way because of where you've come from. Another person over here, their pride, the pride that they're holding on to. Because, see, pride is kind of like a like a, one of those blankets that babies have. You know, what do you call him? Your Gaga, your something, huh? Your Lovey, uh, all different kinds of names, and you hold on to him and hold on to him and hold on to him. Security blanket. Security blanket. I've seen people where they cut it in half, <laughs> and then cut it in half again, and then got rid of it. I mean, all kinds of things. You know, I mean, holding on, holding on, holding on, and we don't want to hold on. We want to cast our care, not hold on to any of it, bow our knee before him so that when we resist the devil, he leaves. Because when you're walking in humility and he doesn't want you to live a humble life, I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about true humility. Devil doesn't want you humble because when you're humble, he can't tell whether it's Jesus or you. But when you're doing all your stuff your way, he knows exactly who you are. Jesus I know. The Apostle Paul, I knew him. But I see you who you are, and you got no power, and you can resist me all day long, and I'll never flee because I don't have to. See, we're talking about Lucifer himself and all his little demons that were part of heaven. They were in heaven and cast out of heaven, so they know the presence of God. They know how God operates. They know the Word better than most Christians know the Word. And they'll hold you to task. And you and I choose not to humble ourselves. There's no devil fleeing in agony or pain and, and, and terror or fear over there yawning. Okay. People are yelling, screaming, binding, loosing, screaming, hoping God will do something. No, you hold on to pride. God resists you. You, me, us, people. But you humble yourself and he pours into you. Gosh, I love that picture. He pours into you. Pours into our lives on a daily basis. Can you say amen? Amen. Proverbs 15.33 in the message says this. Actually, I want to read it in the Passion first and then in the message. Proverbs 15.33 in the Passion. The source of revelation knowledge is found as you fall down and surrender before the Lord. Don't expect to see Shekinah glory until the Lord sees your sincere humility. Shekinah glory meaning God's presence, God's, um, God, you know, God's nature, who He is, in his, and, and seeing the promises manifested in life. You won't, you won't see those things till He sees sincere humility. He has to be convinced of the sincere humility. Not me trying to convince God that I'm humble. Message translation says it like this. Fear of God is a school in skilled living. First you learn humility, then you experience God's glory. First you learn humility in in the school of skilled living, knowing how to reverentially fear God and have a reverential fear of God and His Word and what He says will happen, believing that versus believing what you see with your eyes, hear with your ears, or anything else all the other things in the natural that appear to be one way, they're they're subject to change in every situation when I believe God has the answer, that He's smarter than anything I face. But if I take the care of it and I hold on to it, no Shekinah glory, no manifestation, nothing working because I'm not on a daily basis Learning how to cast every care onto God. That's the way we have to live our lives. So, I want to read this last passage that I have tonight. And I want you to see something about this that I saw years ago that just totally turned my life upside down. There's, there's been a never, number of passages of scripture that I've got revelation that, that have been life changing, and this one became that way. i had heard this preached for years and years, but I didn't associate humility with this until a number of years back. And it just transformed the way I thought because Jesus is the perfect picture of what you and I are to follow after. There's no more perfect of a picture or an example for you and I to follow than Him. So, Philippians 2, starting with verse 1, and I want to read this in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? mark. Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What he's talking about here is true humility. What has to be developed in you and I is the same attitude that Jesus had. And, and this is what I think scares people about humility, okay? And I, so I want to say it like this. Jesus, His decision, He made the decision to walk in humility. But that decision didn't keep Him from believing in God, believing in Himself, who He was. See, humility brings you low but not low and a low estimation of yourself. The Scripture doesn't say to think horrible of yourself or that you're worthless or you can't do anything. It didn't say that. It just says, don't think more highly of yourself than you should think. Definitely don't think more highly of yourself than you would think of God. It didn't hinder Jesus from having vision for Himself. And it didn't hinder him from having the authority that God gave him. And at the same time, it didn't hinder him from the teaching and the training and the development of other people that God had anointed him to do. Humility didn't keep him from that. Maybe it's just been me that I've seen it so much with people. People reject humility because of them thinking they've got to look at themselves in this way and they can't do anything, say anything, or anything else. When I first started pastoring, I, at 30 years old, um, I had some intimidation in myself and as a result of that, I would see scriptures like that like I'm talking about don't think more highly of yourself I, I, would, I would misunderstand those verses of scripture thinking that I didn't have the right to bring correction in a different place. Because the correction that I needed to bring to help other people was not as a Christian it was in the office as an, of an under shepherd. And so through the years as I developed in that and I got to the place where I realized that if I don't, if I'm not confident in myself, in what I'm saying, if I don't judge myself all the way to every situation that I'm dealing with, if I don't judge myself, but yet then if I, if I resist correcting somebody or I resist doing something like Jesus did... If I resist that, then I'm hurting other people, I'm hurting myself, and I'm hurting even people around other people. The thing as a pastor that you have to ask yourself, if I'm bringing correction to somebody, being led by the Spirit of God, is is my correction being brought for their good, or am I just in this thing to point out the fact that they're wrong? That's a wrong motivation. My motivation's wrong. Because through the years, I've realized that many times I brought correction and people leave the church. The stronger I got in who I was, if somebody came to me and they asked me, about something in their life and I gave them the truth. I have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be responsible for how I delivered what I gave as a pastor. Not as a Christian, but as a pastor in the office, five-fold ministry office of an under-shepherd. I have to, I'm responsible for, for, the, for, the, for the direction or correction that I gave in that situation. And if, I, if I'm giving instruction to benefit myself, I'm wrong. I have to give instruction and say the way something is by humbling myself under His mighty hand and then being willing to speak the truth. A lot of people won't speak the truth. They'll just tell people what they want to hear. Just using this as an example. True humility is a difficult thing, and what He was saying in Scripture here, and and I say it again, Jesus wasn't less a person because of His humility, He was more of a person. And look at the things that He did and He accomplished. But yet, look at the correction that He had to bring to the body of Christ, or the potential body of Jesus Christ, before it was... The correction he had to bring in, in, you know, in rebuking them. You know, he told Peter one time, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> if, I, if I told Dale that, you know, D- Dale may get a little upset. <laughs> Dale come and tell me something, and I said, get behind me, Satan. But do you understand what I'm saying? It's not... What you say, it's how you say it, the motive that's there, and where is your heart in what you're saying. Do you want good for the other person? Was when Jesus said that to Peter, was that for his good? Absolutely it was. Absolutely it was. Peter was in his flesh trying to convince Jesus that there's no way I'll forsake you. Everybody else may, but I never will. And we know how that went. (laughs) That didn't go good at all. And he, he's remembered. Hmm? You go to Israel, and they've got a church erected to his doubt and unbelief. How would you like to be known for that? He was protecting him, speaking the truth to him. But he humbled himself like nobody else, and was willing to do what God wanted him to do, not what he wanted. That's where the victory comes from. That's where the Shekinah glory manifested in our lives comes from. Understanding humility in that way. He said, let me just finish this passage. He said, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, watch, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. We're talking God. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. But what was was he doing? Did he die that death as a martyr no, He died that death for your good, for your victory. When you and I take the low road in something, that in the natural it looks like, ah, you know, if I take that road, I'm going to get walked on. I take that road and I'm going to be taken advantage of. Was Jesus taken advantage of? Uh-uh. But you got, what did He say? You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. One translation says, you must have the same mind that he had, the same way of thinking that he had. And what is that? Humility versus pride. Humility versus selfishness. Humility versus your way of thinking. True humility is God's way of thinking instead of your way of thinking and you being delivered of your way of thinking so you think like God. And how do you do that? Only by the Word. Even the word I'm ministering to you tonight because God told me to minister this to you, it will do things in you. You'll leave here thinking about this word because God wanted you to hear this. I'm blaming him in case you didn't want to hear this. So he said, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself Somebody might say, well, well, but that was Jesus. Well, let me give you another example from Scripture in Joseph. Joseph humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, did things God's way, even when being in prison and being accused of all kinds of things through the years made it look like that he would never get out of the dungeon or out of the prison but because he humbled himself and he, and he allowed God to be God inside of him, you know what happened to him? Um, his name became the second most powerful name on the earth. That at the name of Joseph, everybody's going to bow their knee. Wasn't Joseph, want, Joseph wasn't wanting people to bow to him, you understand? But that's what God said would happen in the dream that he had. And you know how that dream came to pass? Because he humbled himself and he did things God's way and didn't, and didn't allow himself to be a complainer, didn't allow himself to be a person that was going to try to fix everything and make it his way. He did it God's way. To me, when I look at Jesus and I think about how he did it, I believe I can do the same exact thing because he said I could. The Father loves me as much as He loves Jesus and what Jesus did because of His love of the Father I can have the same results. And people can look at you and I on, in this planet not as Him but as followers of Him because our lives give Him the credit. One of the things that I feel like that you and I can't do is, in, in, the, in the world we live in, we can't, as the Scripture said in the, in the other passage, we can't flirt with the world's ways. We can't say that we believe in God and, and, and confess things and believe these kind of things and then when something gets tough or something political happens or something you know, on the job happens or at home happens or whatever happens, then we're going to try to work it out ourselves. There's no humility there. And you, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of that, get your attention about that, and you have to make the changes where you're going to cast the care of those natural things onto God and you're going to embrace His way of thinking and doing. And Tonight, I believe that what I've given you is the simplest form of understanding of what humility is. And if you and I embrace humility, our greatest days are before us. The greatest days... Before people like Moses, who's the most humble man on the planet, his greatest days were the end of his life, the last 40 years of his life. Because he spent 80 years of his life, the one thing that Moses didn't do is he didn't give up. He made some horrible mistakes, but he never quit. I mean, some doozies, but he never quit. And that's what you and I have to be the same kind of person with the same type of tenacity. And yet, Spirit of God lives inside of us with Moses. He was on the outside. What Moses accomplished without the Spirit of God in him, I have to tip my hat to him. And a little bit more than that. But today, you and I have the capability because of the Spirit of God in us to be able to live this humble life. And experience what Moses, what all the patriarchs of, the old, of old in the Old Testament, what the Apostle Paul experienced, what Peter experienced, what John experienced, what all the disciples experienced. You and I have the ability to do even greater things than they because we have all their testimonies. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. And he said even greater works than what he did will we do if we learn how to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.